the anonymous senior Trump administration official who authored the infamous New York Times op-ed in 2018, declaring to be part of the resistance, revealed himself on Wednesday to be former Department of Homeland Security Chief of Staff Miles Taylor. Taylor, who previously came forward as a critic of President Trump and a supporter of Joe Biden in August, explained that he wrote his 2019 book, A Warning, as anonymous as a caution to voters that it wasn't as bad as it looked inside the Trump administration, it was worse. While I claim so authorship of the work, the sentiments expressed within it were widely held among officials at the highest levels of the federal government, Taylor wrote in a statement published on Medium. In other words, Trump's own lieutenants were alarmed by his instability. Taylor was hired by CNN as a contributor in September. However, it is now known that he lied to the network by denying authorship of the op-ed during an August 21 interview with his now colleague Anderson Cooper. There was an op-ed. There was a book by someone calling themselves Anonymous. Are you aware of who that is? Cooper asked. I'm not, Taylor responded. Look, that was a parlor game that happened in Washington, D.C. of a lot of folks trying to think of who that might be. I've got my own thoughts about who that might be, but you're not anonymous, Cooper interjected. I wear a mask for two things, Anderson, Halloweens and pandemics, so no, Taylor answered. Taylor similarly lied to Vice News political correspondent Elizabeth Landers about being the anonymous writer. According to CNN anchor Jake Tapper, who broke the news on his network on Wednesday afternoon, we did not know this until today. CNN did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment, though a spokesperson told Washington Post's Eric Wemple that Taylor will remain as a contributor despite his lie to Anderson Cooper. White House Press Secretary Keely McKinney released a statement knocking Taylor as a low-level, disgruntled former staffer as well as a liar and a coward who chose anonymity over action in leaking over leading. He was ineffective and incompetent during his time as DHS chief of staff, which is why he was promptly fired after only serving in this role for a matter of weeks, McKinney added. It is appalling a low-ranking official would be granted anonymity anonymity, and it is clear the New York Times is doing the bidding of never-Trumpers and Democrats. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows also piled on the former Trump official. You have got to be kidding me, Miles Taylor? That's who the New York Times granted an anonymous editorial article? I've seen more exciting reviews in Scooby-Doo episodes. What a monumental embarrassment, Meadows tweeted. When the op-ed by a senior Trump administration official was published in September 2018, there was plenty of speculation that the identity was actually someone of high status. Names that were floated at the time included then-White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, then-Counselor to the President Kellyanne Conway, then-DHS Secretary 
Kirsten Nielsen, and then UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. The big reveal turned out to be a big letdown on social media. It's an embarrassment. Axios reporter Jonathan Swan reacted. I also didn't realize the definition of senior administration official could be this expansive. Wasn't even an agency chief of staff at the time the op-ed ran. I can't stop laughing. What a bust! Everyone is like, "Who?" Former acting DNI Rick Grenell tweeted. So anonymous turns out to be both no one you've heard of and a CNN contributor. Who could have predicted this? Real Clear Investigations senior writer Mark Hemingway similarly said, "This is like Al Capone's vault. The guy quit the administration, was heavily promoted through a clear PR campaign, did media tours, and is now making money as a CNN contributor. What a coward!" Is a reminder of how much of the Never Trump crowd is made up of grifters. Newsbusters managing editor Curtis Hewick wrote. Miles Taylor is the new James Comey. He's not a hero to either side. Journalist Yashar Ali declared. Other critics noted Taylor's tenure at DHS coincided with the Trump administration's controversial policy. As separating children of migrants from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border, Miles Taylor was a critical part of the team that decided to separate thousands of migrant kids from their parents, resulting in lifelong psychological trauma. He would like you to believe otherwise, MSNBC correspondent Jacob Soboroff said. Congrats to all the. Hashtag resistance people who bought a book by a guy who was complicit in DHS family separations. New Yorkers Josh Bilnison, Bilnison, Billison, quipped. The Times itself also came under fire for granting Taylor's request to publish the op-ed under the byline of anonymous. In a note attached to the piece. The paper said it had taken the rare step because we believe publishing this essay anonymously is the only way to deliver an important perspective to our readers. The term we chose, "senior administration official," is used in Washington by both journalists and government officials to describe positions in the upper echelon of an administration, such as the one held by this writer. Deputy editorial page editor Jim Dow explained at the time. Critics, however, disagreed with the view of Taylor as an upper echelon member of the Trump administration. There's a legitimate role for an- anonymity in journalism, but that op-ed embodied one of its worst uses, where you obscure the source of information primarily to make the source sound more authoritative than he really is. Vox senior correspondent Matthew Iglesias tweeted. The revelation of the identity of anonymous caused into question whether the New York Times, the NYT, had ample grounds to allow him to write without identifying him. I figured it had to be someone at cabinet level at least. Washington Post columnist Karen Tomoti similarly expressed. Is an advisor to a cabinet secretary really a senior administration official? 
the widespread impression at the time of the New York Times op-ed was that Anonymous was someone who actually advised the president. ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl posted. A spokesperson for the Times told Fox News, We take seriously our obligations to protect sources. Many important stories in sensitive areas like politics, national security, and business can never be reported if our journalists violated that trust. In this case, however, the writer has personally waived our agreement to keep his identity confidential. We can confirm that he is the author of the anonymous op-ed. We don't plan to comment further. Check out fortyandbox.com to master your money. Personal finance lessons and courses. Want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Now feel free to give your thoughts as to this whole situation. Do you think the guy was big enough, right? Or do you think he was a letdown? What do you think about this whole situation? Did he read the book? Well, basically the op-ed, right? Or did you read the actual books that he actually put out there right under the whole thing to me it's just to me it seems like a waste of time honestly for anyone like if you're watching this i kind of feel sorry for you if you're listening to this i kind of feel sorry for you sorry about that it's just to me like it doesn't even seem really worth engaging any time into it right because i'll be frank I've never heard of this guy, ever. Never. I've never heard of him, right? I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was a CNN correspondent or whatever. I had no idea who this person was at all, right? Now, that being said, like, I don't know much about politics. I stay out of politics for the most part, right? Because, honestly, politics is just a disgusting cesspool. But still, never heard of this dude, ever, right? So you'd think that it'd be someone of, like, noteworthy names that would actually do something like this, right? To where it would actually, you know, might be pretty interesting. Like, oh, you know, maybe this is going to, like, be a whole Among Us situation, kind of thing, right? Like, oh, you never expect who it actually was. Oh, my goodness. Which, I mean, technically, no one really actually expected it to be him. But still, like, I mean, people would be more willing for, like, you know, someone who's doing a crazy IQ move than someone who's just standing there not doing anything. So, I don't know. Feel free to give your thoughts about this whole situation. I think it's kind of like a waste of space, waste of time. In your day, again, sorry about that, but man, it just seems so pointless. For all their talk of neutral platforms, the big shots at big tech, Twitter, Facebook, and Google, are running a protection racket. They figure they can dictate what Americans get to see and read and what other media companies must do to reach the public via those platforms. Is a clear threat to a healthy democracy, and Congress has noticed. On Wednesday, the Senate launched a hearing to investigate big tech's bad behavior. Center stage, Twitter's strong-arm tactics to center 
The Post, ever since we began reporting on Hunter Biden's emails, first it froze our account and banned our stories, then amid a public backlash, it agreed to unfreeze us, but only if we deleted our original tweets. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey sounded like every mob enforcer and shakedown artist in history. Nice paper you got there, New York Post. Shame, should something happen to it. He knows full well media outlets depend on social media and Google search algorithms to help readers access our reporting. Senator Ted Cruz wasn't fooled. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear, he thundered. Why do you persist in behaving as a democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? Dorsey tried to claim it was all a mistake that had been fixed, but the Post account remained locked even as he spoke. Can the New York Post post on their Twitter account, Cruz asked. If they go into their account, squirmed Dorsey before Cruz cut him off. No, is your answer to that, fumed Cruz, unless they genuflect and agree with your dictates. Besides, if it was an honest error, then why do they only happen to one side? As Senator Marsha Blackburn noted, Twitter has censored President Trump 65 times and Joe Biden zero. There is a pattern of subjective manipulation of information. Nor can Twitter and Facebook, which also moved to suppress the post reporting, claim there's anything wrong with the stories, asked if they had any evidence of that, Dorsey and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg both admitted they didn't. Check out 40 to master your money, personal finance lessons, and courses. Want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Now, the thing is, feel free to give your thoughts on this situation if you're watching this, because to me, what I witnessed when it came to Twitter especially was so heinous to a basically news organization to basically any sort of media, because how can you blatantly, and I mean blatantly, like right in your face, it's basically like someone decided to take a dump right in front of you while you were eating, right? Like that's how blatant of a censorship this was, right? And like how bad it was for them to actually do this, right? Like you can't just censor a news organization from posting content that is backed like that they're actually like showing legitimate content from the laptop right regardless of what you think of the laptop whether you know the contents matter or not right the fact that they are trying to censor that is crazy right especially when you take into consideration what they did with Trump's tax returns, whether you like him or not, still wrong, right? Because one, I th- believe, is a federal crime to actually post someone's copy of like their tax returns, right, without their knowledge or permission. But then again, it's like that information wasn't censored, right? Even though that could potentially have some sort of sway in an election, right? Right. 
or could have been from hacking. Like they try to claim that the whole Hunter Biden laptop is. So to me, it's just a crazy thing to do. Like how can any social media company be willing to censor information like this, especially Twitter when it's specifically kind of designed for journalists and news organizations and independent journalists and all this other stuff. Like it doesn't even make any sense that they are willing to do something like this, especially like just so in your face doing it. But yeah, feel free to give your thoughts on the whole thing. Now, also, I was listening to a podcast, I believe it was the Joe Rogan podcast with the most recent episode with, I think, uh, Greenfield or something, where they were talking, it was basically the guy that like helped do the whole Snowden thing, and he was talking about how apparently he had a conversation with Dorsey a while ago or something like that, where he actually talked to him and the Twitter CEO basically told him, that he never intended for Twitter to become a social media platform that censors at all, right? Which means that he admittedly, knowingly censors people, right? But basically, he said, according to this guy, right, that Twitter was originally, and Facebook and all that kind of stuff, all this stuff was originally supposed to be designed in a way for... 100% free speech and free content, basically in the form of thinking themselves as like an AT&T, Verizon, basically a platform that anyone can do whatever they want kind of thing, but they are not responsible for them, right? But then apparently Twitter kept getting like uh, harassment and all this other stuff from like journalists and basically the woke side, right, of social media to cancel people so they you know they canceled Alex Jones they canceled other people right and it just basically turned into this whole cycle where it basically just never ended and once you basically start canceling someone on one side canceling the other side doesn't really solve the issue either and basically trap them into this like never-ending loop of censoring people which technically if the one guy that, you know, helped Snowden, like posted the article with Snowden and then is talking to uh, Dorsey, if he actually had like any legitimate information that, you know, Jack Dorsey admitted to him actually censoring people, willingly censoring people specifically on one side because he was getting harassment and all this other stuff, right? Basically, didn't want to get his feelings hurt or didn't want his companies potentially hurt financially, which still wouldn't even make sense. If he had any information on that and then posted it, that'd be actually a pretty amazing thing because what they are doing is crazy. Doing censorship like that is just crazy on any scale, but just it's just so much in your face that it's disgusting, right? Like... How can someone like look at that and not and think that's okay, right? Like, how can anyone look at what they did and think that is okay, regardless of your views on Trump or Biden, right? Because the thing is, to me, the stuff in the information really isn't going to affect the whole election too much, right? 
yeah, it would turn potentially Biden, like, it'd get people to look at Biden a little bit differently. But let's face facts. The media has been so much in Biden's favor that it's not really going to change the narrative between Trump and Biden to the American people, right? It's like it's just not really going to sway things too much when we're so deep into the election process. But either way, it's just crazy to me. Like, how? How can any social media company get away with this stuff, right? Because, like, let's face facts. You know they're going to get away with this and this whole hearing and all that kind of stuff, right? Twitter is going to get away with it. Facebook is going to get away with it. Google with this whole antitrust thing is going to get away with it. Like, geez, at this point, Google is probably the most powerful company in the world. Facebook is basically right behind them. And Twitter is basically the voice of people of the world, right? In like a lot of cases, right? Like, I mean, if you're living in a supreme communist dictatorship, right? You could use Twitter to basically leak information and try to potentially get out of there too, right? So it's it's just bad when you really think about it because Twitter plays such a huge role in a lot of different countries' lives and their ecosystems and their political worlds. It's just it's just not right to do. Police on Tuesday identified a man accused of urinating on a fellow passenger during a Delta flight earlier this month as a pastor from Raleigh or Raleigh. A police report obtained by the Winston-Salem Journal says Daniel Chalmers was arrested at the Detroit Metro Airport after the flight landed on October 13th. According to the report, a passenger named Alicia Beverly told police she woke up on the plane around 2.45 a.m. to find a man urinating on her. Police said Beverly alerted the flight crew and the two were separated. When asked what happened, Beverly reported, replied, He peed on me. When the man was asked, What did you do? He reportedly said, I peed on her. I thought I was going to the bathroom. After the plane landed in Detroit, airport police boarded the plane and Beverly told the officers what had happened. Police said the man initially denied her accusations, telling officers, I'm a pastor, that is out of my character, and I didn't do it. When he asked for proof of the woman's allegations, one of the officers told him that the victim's clothing was covered in his urine and the seat was as well. He also told the man that he was the only person standing on the aircraft and was observed standing directly over the victim. The officer said in his report that he observed a small visually apparent wet spot in the groin area of his shorts and that he smells of alcohol and his eyes were bloodshot. The man also told police he was on medication. Police identified the man as Daniel Chalmers, and the journal reported that Chalmers is the lead pastor at Love Winds Ministries in Raleigh and a staff member at Catch the Fire Raleigh Durham Church. 
Chalmers was escorted off the plane and taken into custody. According to the report, Chalmers told the captain he planned to sue Delta Airlines for defamation of character for their treatment of him. An FBI, FBI agent later interviewed Chalmers and cited him for simple assault before he was released. In a statement to Fox News, Delta Airlines confirmed that law enforcement officials met Delta Flight 874 from Las Vegas to Detroit upon arrival on the morning of October 13th due to an unruly customer. Before Chalmers was identified, speculation grew online about the identity of the urinating pastor. Last Friday, Will Graham, the executive director of the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove and Associate Evangelist, with the Billy Graham uh, Evangelist, yeah, I can't even say it, Evangelist Association, Evangelist Association took the social media to dispel rumors that he might be the culprit. Check out FortinBox.com to master your money. Personal finance lessons and courses. Want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Now feel free to give your thoughts on this whole thing, right? I think the whole statement of, you know, you're basically committing defamation of my character kind of thing in this situation is pretty absurd, right? Because the way that a pastor should be, right, is basically the same way that a cop should be. They should be viewed as someone who is practicing better, right? That they should be doing better. That they should be living a life better, right? Or like live on like a higher moral ground. And the fact that, you know, he could have been intoxicated on a plane, peeing on a lady, doing like a whole golden shower sort of nonsense... To me, seems like you're kind of defaming your own character. You're kind of like hurting your own character by doing those actions, right? Because, I mean, it's one thing to do if you're just, like, drunk and you do that. But being a pastor and then drunk and then doing it, it's just like another slap to the face kind of thing. It's like, come on. And then you try to pull the pastor card saying that you are too good to do something like this. There's many pastors that do very bad things, especially in the Catholic Church. But still, when it comes down to it, if you're literally watched doing this stuff, it's not really going to be good. The alleged use of forced monkey labor has led Costco to stop selling Thai-made coconut products. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, which is PETA, has been tracking such animal abuse since 2019, while urging retailers to pull merchandise made from the bad actors to discourage the practice, USA Today reported. No kind shopper wants monkeys to be chained up and treated like coconut-picking machines, PETA President Ingrid Newkirk said in a statement according to the outlet. Costco made the right call to reject animal exploitation, and PETA is calling on holdouts like Kroger to follow suit. PETA's investigation found chained-up monkeys can pick up around 
400 coconuts a day and are then stuffed in cages until their next shift, the outlet reported. Just because something is legal or accepted, it doesn't mean it's okay, said Kent Stein, PETA's corporate responsibility officer. Stein pointed to the Tourism of Authority of Thailand's active promotion of the Monkey Center, where tourists can watch the primates learn how to collect coconuts for 300 baht, or about $10. Kids can catch the show for just 150 baht, or about $5. The Monkey Center is established and has turned into a new tourist attraction. Which becomes popular among the local people and foreigners. In the center, the monkeys will be trained to collect the coconuts. Each training session takes about four months and requires a trainer and a student. The tourism authority's website reads: "Moreover, you can enjoy other monkey shows in the center." It continues. One of the brands removed from Costco is Chaco, made by. Thepa Dungporn Coconut Co. Ltd. What a name that is! The Thepa Dungporn Coconut Co. Ltd. Wow, which denies using monkey labor. That Alice said, "That is a crazy name." The company shared a 14-page document with the outlet titled "Monkey-Free Coconut Due Diligence Assessment." That claims 64 randomly selected farms out of 817 were not using monkeys for coconut harvesting. That was said. Chaco, one of the world's leaders in coconut milk production, reassures that we do not engage the use of monkey labor in our coconut plantations. The company insisted in a statement, noting its suppliers have signed memorandums. Of understanding that monkey labor will not be used at their farms. Walgreens, Food Lion, Giant Food, and Stop and Shop have all pulled alleged monkey-picked coconut products from their shelves, but products from Chaco are still available on Target, Walmart, and Kroger's websites. The outlet said. What really drives this change is retailers not supporting the product, and of course, customers not buying the product. Costco, being a major player, should have an impact. Stein explained. A Costco rep said it was not able to respond to requests for comment from USA Today on the decision, and Walmart and Target didn't immediately say whether they plan to make changes to their coconut suppliers. Kroger, the nation's largest grocery store chain, insisted it has a long-standing commitment to responsible business practices. Including the humane treatment of animals, we have reengaged our suppliers as well as other stakeholders on this issue to reconfirm they are also protecting animal welfare. Kroger continued in a statement. Check out FortyBox.com to master your money. Personal finance lessons and courses. Want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. And what do you think about? Forced monkey labor, in the form of picking coconuts and then putting them into basically little jail jail cells for monkeys, right? It's going to be pretty interesting, right? 
I mean, I definitely don't like the idea of monkeys basically having a job to pick coconuts and then being forced to like live in like their own little prison. Now, it also depends on like the cages, right? Because the cages, if they're like a massive, massive cage, where it's almost like a zoo, and it's like a kind of like different kind of like situation, maybe that's a little bit more understandable. Because then they're basically working a job as a monkey, getting paid, and then possibly getting like food and other stuff, right? I don't know. It's very... It's a very odd situation. Feel free to give your thoughts on this. But I mean, I've never heard of the concept of using monkeys as like labor. That's pretty interesting.